Welcome to Finding Holiness, where we delve into timeless Torah wisdom, revealing the sacred in everyday moments. Join us on a journey to elevate your spirituality and discover holiness in every aspect of life. I'm your host, Rabbi David Kadosh, and together, let's embark on a path of spiritual exploration. I hope you enjoy this next episode. All right, good evening. <clears throat> we are studying Masechet Yevamod, Perek Vav, Mishnah Hey. Some uh, interesting Mishnayot today on tap. Kohen Hediot Lo Yisa Ailonit. An ordinary Kohen cannot marry an Ailonit. An Ailonit is a woman who will never physically mature and therefore she cannot have children. Ela Imken Yeshlo Isha Ubanim. Unless the Kohen has another wife who can already bear children. Um, or he already has children. So in that case, he could marry this woman, this Ailonit, who cannot have a child. Of course, Jewish men are obligated in the mitzvah of Pediyah Veribiyah. And uh, therefore, a Kohen to marry an Ailonit, um, uh, he, cannot, he cannot do so unless he has children from elsewhere. Rabbi Uda Omer, Rabbi Uda disagrees. And he says, Even if he has another wife with children or other children, he cannot marry an Ailonit, because this is the definition of a zona which the Torah talks about. In the Torah, that's in reference to the Kohen, in Parashat Emor, that the Kohen cannot marry a zona. And this, according to Rabbi Uda, this is a zona, which is a woman who is incapable of having children. So therefore, a Kohen can never marry an Ailonit, even if he already has children from another marriage. But the rabbis disagree with how Rabbi Yudad defines a zona. And zona ela giyoret umshukhreret veshenivala beilat zenut. The chachamim say a zona is only a female convert, a Kenani slave woman who was freed, and a woman who engaged in forbidden acts of relations uh, with a man who was forbidden to her, that are th- those are the definitions of a zonah. Today, the term zonah is used very loosely. It's not uh, really much often in reference to halakha, probably only according to the last, uh, the last definition here, a, a woman who engaged in forbidden uh, relations. Uh, that, that is commonly used as a zonah, but nowadays, unfortunately, the word zonah is thrown out there, not necessarily have the halachic ramifications as we do here. Uh, we do follow the Chachamim in this case, and, uh, and not, not Rabbi Yehuda. Um, speaking of Peri Averibya, Mishnah Vav, the last Mishnah of, of uh, Perik Vav, A person cannot refrain from trying to have children unless he already has children, meaning you have to constantly fulfill the mitzvah of so a man who has never fulfilled this mitzvah um, must marry a woman who is able to, as we're going to see. Bet Shammai Omrim, famous machloke between Bet Shammai and Bet Hillel. Bet Shammai says, Shenezecharim, the father must have two males. Bet Hillel Omrim, Bet Hillel says, it's Zacharu Nekeva, he has to have one male and one female. Shneemar, Zacharu Nekeva Bera'am. Akadosh Baruch Hu created them male and, uh, and female. So where does Bet Shammai get his reason from? Why does Bet Shammai say that you have to have two males? Um, 
the uh, Chachamim explain that he derives it from Moshe Rabenu, the actions of Moshe Rabenu. We read it a couple weeks ago in Parashat Shemot. Moshe Rabenu, after having two sons, Gereshom and Eliezer, he stopped. He stopped uh, living with his wife. And um, so we see from here that uh, if Moshe Rabenu stopped at two, then that's what you need to have, two. Um, Bet Hillel holds Zacharu Nekeva, one male, one female. Bet Hillel learns from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu commanded uh, Adam Arishon to have. Zacharu Nekeva Beraam. So, uh, therefore, a person who only has two boys, he doesn't fulfill the mitzvah according to, to Bet Hillel. And according to Bet Shammai, a person who has one son and one daughter doesn't fulfill the mitzvah. So now, how, why does Bet, how does Bet Hillel explain Moshe Rabbeinu's actions? That's a good question, right? If Bet Shammai is, is, uh, proves it from, from Moshe Rabbeinu, how does Bet Hillel explain uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu? So Bet Hillel will say that Moshe Rabbeinu was a very special case because Moshe Rabbeinu was di- speaking directly to God. So therefore, once he spoke to him, he had to remain in a status, a state of purity, and therefore he had to, you know, he had to separate from his wife because he could be called upon at any moment to speak to Akados Baruch Hu, and therefore he could not be with his wife, and that's why he had to stop at uh, at two. What about Bet Shammai, right? How does Bet Shammai understand uh, pretty good proof for Bet Hillel, right? God said Zacharu Nekeva Beram. So what is what does Bet Shammai say uh, different? So he argues that the creation of the world was a special case because if Chava had not been created, okay, which was the Zacharu Nekeva, then there would have been no other woman to uh, to bear children. So he wants to say that the creation of the world was specific so that we have a woman in order to bear children. But if now now in 2022 or whatever year that came afterwards, there are a lot of women who can bear children, you don't necessarily have to have a, a boy and a girl. You can just have uh, you can just have two boys, and that's learned from Moshe. So it's very interesting Mishnah over there, uh, idea on how they both on how they both uh, explain it. Nasa Isha, the Mishnah continues and says, if a man married a woman, shanim, and he remained for her with her for ten years, Velo Yalda, and did not have any children. He's not permitted to refrain from fulfilling the mitzvah, and uh, uh, the, the, he has to go through a divorce and find another woman to, to marry in order to can have children. Gereshah, when he divorces her, she's permitted to know, now go marry another man, even if that other man has not fulfilled the mitzvah of Periyah Berivya yet, she can go marry another man. And the second husband also is permitted to remain with her for, for 10 years. It was famously um, known that the, um, the, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who could not have any uh, children, um, uh, you know, what, what he used to do, you know, this is halakha lemaase. You have to, he would divorce and remarry his wife every 10 years. You know, that's what he did in order, in hopes to have uh, children. But that's, uh, that's something, what, what he did. He, he wrote a get. Gave it to her and then re- remarried. Most a lot of people don't know that, but it was written down in his. Uh, How did he decide in ten years? Uh, that's that's uh, that, that we learned that from Rivka and Yitzchak and Rivka. That's uh, where um, where we see that from. If you calculate there, they, they waited t- t- ten years. Uh, okay, Ve'im Hipila. Let's say she became pregnant 
and she miscarried. Then, you get a reset. You get a reset button. All right? So you got 10 years from the moment of the miscarriage because she did indeed get pregnant. She couldn't carry the baby, but she got, uh, she, she, she got pregnant. Therefore, we start counting the 10 years from when she miscarried. Lastly, in this Mishnah, it is the man who is commanded to be fruitful and multiply. Aval lohaisha, but not the woman. A woman is not commanded to uh, fulfill this mitzvah, uh, which means that a woman can remain unmarried her whole life, and that's uh, that's fine. While a man has to actually go and find a, a suitable partner so that he can fulfill this mitzvah. Rabbi Yochanan ben Beroka Omer, Rabbi Yochanan ben Beroka says, Al shenehem hu Omer. It's concerning both where the Torah says, um, that, uh, that Hashem spoke to both of them. So according to Rabbi Yochanan ben Beroka, it is both Adam and Chava who are uh, obligated in, uh, in this mitzvah. Um, okay, very good. So where does the proof that it should only be the man? Where does the Mishnah give the proof that um, if you look at the wording um, of the pasuk, um, I don't have the exact pasuk, not, not this one specifically, um, but there's another pasuk there. The, one, the pasuk of Perur Vu Miluta Aretz, I think, is directed only to men. Perur Vu Vechivshua. Martinua brings down Vechivshua, but Vechivshua is spelled without the Vav. So it's, it's spelled. Kivshua is spelled Kaf Bet Shin Hei, which could be read as as Kavsha or Kovesh Ota, conquering her. Chaser Vav Haisha Darkol Lichboshet Aisha, who Metzuve Al Periyah Benibia. The woman who, the man who is uh, who has the obligation, who can uh, who fills the role of conquer, of military conquer, not actually fighting his wife, but he he's got he's. The, 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 the power source in the, uh, in the relationship, right? He's the one who is given, uh, given the mitzvah of Pedia Veribia. Um, it is, I believe it's man, only man, yes. Um, okay. <clears throat> Fine. Perek Zayin, Mishnah Aleph. So just a little introduction to this, uh, this Mishnah. We know that a, a Kohen is allowed to eat Teruma. A Kohen you know, is, may eat Teruma. And all the people that he's acquired, uh, whether through marriage, as we're going to see, or slaves, can also eat uh, Teruma. So his wife is Kanani slaves. Uh, if his wife owns slaves and then gets married to the Kohen, so they are allowed to eat Teruma. But if the Kohen's wife is forbidden to him, for example, she's a divorcee, then she's disqualified from eating uh, teruma, and also her slaves may not eat uh, the teruma. So now, when the woman brings into a marriage property, some of it remains hers, um, and the husband only has uh, rights to it and to benefit from it. We call this property melog. It's called melog property. And then some of it becomes his outright, and that's known as Son Barzel. Son Barzel. Um, so now, our Mishnah is going to talk about certain situations. Almana le Kohen Gadol. 
if you have a widow who is married to a Kohen Gadol, or Gerusha Bachalutza Lechoen Ediot, or divorcee or Chalutza married to an ordinary Kohen. So in both these cases, she is disqualified from eating Terumah. If she brought into the marriage some slaves who are Melog, that means they belong to her and he's just benefiting from them, or Tsonu Barzel, he acquires totally. Then these slaves cannot eat teruma because she owns them and now she's disqualified and um, um, and they can't eat teruma. But but the slaves of Tzon Barzel may eat teruma because he owns them, he acquires them totally, and he's not the, and and therefore um, this this evid is not disqualified from eating teruma. Now these are the melog slaves. Im metu, um, that uh, the arrangement between the, the husband and wife is that if these slaves die during the marriage, metu la, if it's a melog slave, then the loss is on her. That death is on her, it's her loss. Veimotiru, and if the slave increases in value, so he went to good life fitness and became stronger, so now his value in the market is, is higher. So, hotirula, it's her increase. It all belongs to her. Uh, even though the husband is responsible for providing this slave the food, they may not eat teruma because she's disqualified to the husband and they're owned by the wife. These, these are the Tzon Barzel slaves. If they die, okay, metula, the death is his. Hotiru, veim hotiru, hotiru lo. And if they increase in value, then the increase is his gain. Ho ilvehu chaya Since he's responsible for guaranteeing them uh, and he absorbs their loss, hare elu yochelu teruma, these son barzel slaves are able to eat teruma because the, the responsibility defines him as uh, has their owner. Okay, we'll stop here and we'll continue next week. Bezat Hashem.